You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, I've got a very special guest, Vinay Nachani, Vice President of Global Software Sales at Cisco. As Vice President of Cisco's global software business, Vinay is accountable for driving Cisco's go-to-market transformation around software. He has built a global organization that has achieved 100% annual growth in software enterprise agreements, scaling from multi-million dollar to, yes, multi-billion dollar businesses while significantly increasing customer value and commitment. Vinay has also brings his expertise and engagements with global customer CXOs to advance their strategic transformation initiatives. We're going to be talking about beyond the buzzword, making transformation happen. Vinay, it's been a long time coming, my friend. Welcome to the show. No, long, long time, Mark, and, and thank you for the, the kind introduction. I'm so excited to do this podcast, if nothing else, just because of the name, Sunny Side Up. Uh, you know, we have we have delineations of egg preferences in our house. My wife and daughter, they go scrambled. I like yolk. I like, yeah. you know, su- Sunny Side Up is kind of my jam. So I, I love the name of it. And if nothing else, I wanted to be on this podcast for that reason. That's perfect. I, I, I'm glad we got that actually recorded and documented um, so that the, the real meat and potatoes is, is in the name. That's a, I would agree with you. Uh, sun, sunny Side Up is is definitely the way to go. You need a droopy, gooey kind of uh, a yolk there. Scrambled is okay, uh, but but definitely, definitely gooey is the way to go. Well, and it's a good life philosophy, right? Sunny Side Up, it just, it sounds optimistic. So between a good way to make eggs and a good way to approach life, I think we're winning on both fronts. <laughs> I love it. So what what are we talking about? Obviously, we chatted about a lot of different uh, different topics when we were discussing this. We ended up with beyond the buzzword, making transformation happen. What, what's really the intent here? What, what's the topic all about? Yeah, I think I think as we talked about what would be interesting to your audience, right? And if I look at what my career has been about over you know twenty years. In, in different ways, shapes and fashions and expanding, you know, what I've always been, I think, oriented to is understanding where change is happening in market, whether it's technology, industry, or broader change, and then specifically how to, how to, how to capitalize on it, right? How to, how to leverage that change and drive opportunity around innovation to change how you bring value to customers and grow business and, and, you know, grow your customer base and, and drive revenue and bookings growth for, for a company as well. So there are a number of things within that we can talk about, uh, but you tell me where you want to go. Well, it's interesting. I, 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 there's a, to your point, there's a lot we could dive into. So I guess 
is there a, is there a framework or some way we should think about dissecting it to to start? Is there easy? You know, it's an elephant, right? How how are we going to eat it, but in small bites? What, what are some of those bites that we can we can address? Yeah, good question, right? I think there's an element of one: how do you identify change? Like, how do you recognize when there's a real change happening and and separate signal from noise? Two, how do you define a winning position within it? Like, where do you go to figure out how you win in market? And then once you have that figured out, how do you drive execution and growth and ultimately build for scale, right? And so when I think about how we've done that over the years, you know, currently I'm doing that for software with Cisco, but I've done it in different ways in different parts of my career. It really comes down to those three things. So let's I mean, make sense. You got to understand what it is. You've got to plan it and, and, and really think about where it's going. And then you've got to be able to actually execute upon it, to actually do it right at the end of the day. Um, I'm oversimplifying it. You're going to put it more elegantly. What, let's start, I guess, let's start dissecting. How do I even identify it? How do we even look at that? Yeah, that, that's, that's right. And, uh, you know, when I think about doing that, the times that I've done that, you know, one of the times I think about was, you know, when I was in the data center business for Cisco, right? So this was over 10 years ago, I had made a move from being a field engineering leader at Cisco to the data center organization as we were getting into the server business. And what was interesting about that, that sounds like not that big of a deal here, you know, many years later as we've we've become a relevant server player and you know a multi-billion dollar player in that industry but at the time there was a lot of skepticism as to whether or not we could do that um and so i jumped into that role and the change that i identified wasn't so much server it was cloud right so this is back 2008 ish 2007 2008 we were new in that business i was flying all over the country to talk to customers about servers and why our server was better. And the thing that I noticed started to happen, not once, but as a trend, was there was more and more customers wanting to understand cloud computing. And what is this cloud computing thing about? And it was relevant to us because if they went with cloud, it meant that they wouldn't buy servers. Um, and so, there was a there was a piece of it which was one recognizing that there's a trend here. Then I had to go understand what is this cloud computing thing about, right? 2007, 2008, uh, a lot of people, especially at Cisco, thought of Amazon as a company that sold like books and diapers. <laughs> and so like we discovered that they're doing this Amazon Web Services thing. And what is that? It's compute by the unit, by the hour, on demand, flexible. Um, and so there, there was a piece of this on, okay, what's happening? And then like, why should I care? Like how big of a deal is this? Right. Um, and I formed an opinion pretty quickly that it was a big deal because I had been working with commercial customers and commercial for us is anything outside of the fortune, call it 250, um, for a long time. And there was a perception 
that was incorrect that smaller customers only cared about price. And what I had seen over the years was that was not true. What they cared about, because they were typically understaffed and stretched thin, what they cared about was simplicity and making things easier. And so when you real and so a lot of people thought cloud computing was about cost savings. We did the math, we did some analysis of what we called cloud economics. And what we discovered is it wasn't cheaper, especially if your utilization was somewhat consistent. But what was significant was when you compared the simplicity of being able to get compute capacity in minutes from cloud providers to versus compared to buying servers, waiting for them to ship, racking and stacking, cabling, installing software, like this was weeks to months of simplification of life for customers. And so that was something that I pretty quickly recognized was going to be a big deal, which sounds obvious in hindsight, but at the time, most of the technology industry sales leaders I talked to didn't believe that. They thought it was a passing fad and like, hey, kid, don't bother me. I've got a quarter to make. Like, I've got these like routers and switches and servers to ship and like whatever with this <laughs> cloud thing. I've seen these things come and go. Just chill out. <laughs> it's hindsight, man. It's 100% like having the vision to do that. I, I can only imagine you t under trying to it's almost predicting the future in that case if you did you invest did you throw some some dollars behind it i, I feel like it's a that's the kind of scenario you really wish in hindsight that's like man you know that would have been the bubble to ride right i mean now we all look back at cloud and it's it's insane the market's massive um so yeah, you, yeah. You i were, mean i think uh I've, I've done well as an investor but uh <laughs> not nearly as aggressive as I should have been, or I'd be having a totally different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be calling in from Cancun. I think that's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. So obviously it takes understanding and recognizing, and, and I guess the strength in this scenario was that you literally were the boots on the ground, right? I mean, you were talking to customers, you were the guy getting the firsthand feedback. So you're going to have arguably like a better perception of what's really going on in that market or that 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 space versus to your point a lot of the folks that that just weren't buying it or the people who uh you know maybe didn't see the whole picture it, does is that right i mean it, am i reading it right yeah I, I think that's right i think that's part of it right mm -hmm. as a call it salesperson i was talking to a lot of customers but I would go beyond that. You know, when I buy things, like as a customer, I can be a pretty tough customer, right? In terms of like, is there value and how much does it cost and what is it worth? And so there's a part of this where I would apply that thinking. And if I was a customer, would I buy this or what would I do, right? Um, and over time, there have been times in my career with that approach has worked well because, because I'm a tough customer, like if I think it's something I would buy and I'm tougher than most customers, then it's probably got some legs, right? Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, when we got into software at Cisco, that's kind of where I started, right? So we're selling enterprise agreements. What is an enterprise agreement? <laughs> Why would I buy it? Like, what's the value? And then like, you know, that's a, that's a whole different part of the narrative, but like 
that was a starting point that was relevant because if you can see a path to why you'd buy it, if you understand the pain points of your customer base and what they really care about, you can connect it to that. You can quickly get to a vision of what will win in market. So that, I mean, we're talking about transformation as a whole, right? And it's, it's not a small thing to cover. It's incredibly expansive. So, so first and foremost is recognizing that transformation is going to happen or is bound to happen. In your example, it's, it's cloud compute, right? I mean, you, you saw it, you said, okay, this is, this is bigger than, than just a, 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 you know, a new shiny, right? It's uh, it's something that's going to stick around. It's something that's going to really improve in this case, you know, the lives of, of those customers. Um, what, like what then? What, what's after that point? Yeah, so what, what then happened was I spent years crisscrossing the country developing a story of, you know, on private versus public cloud and why, hey, it's not as cheap as you think it is, but it's good for burst and you need both. And so we would go have that conversation and bring customers back to a balance point while in parallel, I would be communicating with a number of executives to say, like, we need to rethink our strategy here. And again, you know, what was interesting for a few years is there was a bit of, uh, well, we're not sure that we do because we're not sure this is really a threat. Um, but what's interesting is how that led itself to me being on the software side of the house. So eventually what happened was one of our senior leaders um, started to recognize this is a real thing we need to pay attention to. She asked around as to who, who knows anything about this because I had been bugging a lot of people. A lot of people said, you need to talk to Vinay. And so we started working together on that. And she eventually told me like, hey, you need to work for me and I need you to lead cloud and software for my business. And, and I said, well, I, I know what cloud's about. Like, I know what we're trying to do there, but what are you talking about with software? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what you mean which is kind of funny because now I lead that globally for the company. And she said, well, <laughs> I don't know either, but our executive leadership thinks it's going to be a big deal. So like, I need you to figure it out, like go figure it out. Right. <laughs> and, and that's where we started. And I, Ugh. I put on the same hat, like, what is this? Why is it better? Why is it not better? Would I buy it? You know, like it took me a while. I had to go, ask some smart people that had been doing this longer than I had, you know, so we're talking about enterprise agreements. Like, what is that? And, it, and, and I had to have a few conversations because sometimes people overly uh, play up what something is. And, and I eventually got to, it's a contract. It's a contract <laughs> that allows customers access to our products, to our software licenses, you know, to certain levels of entitlement. Like, okay, well, why would I buy that? Tell me why I wouldn't just, buy by the box, right? And so we started there and from there, you know, like I started to understand, okay, this is the value prop. And if we really want to do this right, here's what the larger play needs to be. Cause we were doing that for a couple of products, but how do you want to do it more broadly across our portfolio? And how do you want to have it be something that's not just for top customers, but for all customers. And we started on that journey. It's, 
It's funny to hear you talk about, it's very cool, you know, the ground zero, if you will, of some of these things now that, you know, I've, I've only known in my career to be you know, really well-established, you know, businesses, Vinay. I mean, these are, you know, these, to your point, these are multi-billion dollar uh, industries and solutions. And uh, it's very cool to hear, to hear the firsthand account of, how it actually developed, you know, how it actually came into fruition. It sounds like a lot of the same methodology and the same thinking uh, you just applied from a practical perspective, like, you know, as a sales guy, why, why would I purchase this? What, what's in it, you know, for the, for the consumer, put your, put on your uh, customer shoes and, and actually start breaking it down to, to really understand. I think that value prop was really critical to what you were talking about in there. Yeah. And it's funny. It's funny how much, you know, you talk about multi-billion dollar business and, and all these things and, you know, mature things, but like even in the business we have today, we're constantly looking at how do we modify and improve and we get a lot of good ideas from smart, passionate people. Um, but I find you always have to orient to, okay, if I'm a customer, is this better? Like, why would I buy it? Like, I know that sounds good on paper. I know these companies are doing X, Y, Z, but their business is a little different. And at the end of the day, the way you get to billions of dollars is you get to thousands of customers. And if you can't make sense of why that would be good for one customer or a small group of customers, you're not going to get to thousands, right? So you just got to kind of think through it. I, you know, I, I hear professional athletes talk about fundamentals and you got to like practice the fundamentals and that probably applies a little bit here as well. Absolutely. I, absolutely. So it, it's, uh, I'm just trying to break it down, trying to think through all of this, right? So identify, we haven't talked about executing though. Not, not really. We've talked about really hmm. vision orchestrating yeah. to some degree, right? We, we're, it's like, I guess it's identification, seeing it, and you've talked through what happened as it relates to you know, breaking that down and conceptually understanding what's needed to be able to, to do it, but, but we haven't actually hit on the actual execution of it or how, to your point, how to do that then at scale, right? Across a thousand customers or whatever it happens to be. Could you talk about a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, that? that's right. And, and, I, and I think execution, you know, for me, execution is all about small incremental rapid progression and in the incremental is iteration, right? And so, like, if we go back to the software, okay, once I understood what EAs were and what the value was, I then had to go evangelize. Like, I personally wasn't going to go sell to thousands of customers. I needed our thousands of salespeople to do that, and I needed our leaders to invest in specialist resources that could carry this forward, right? And so, I think where it starts is you got to start getting people on board and building that coalition of the willing. And so you talk about being an evangelist, like to me, that's not preacher on a hill, that's conversation. Like you go talk to people and most of the time they're going to say, yeah, but right. Yeah, that makes sense. But, and here's why that won't work. And those yeah, buts and here why that here's why that won't work is tremendously valuable because that's feedback for what you have to go solve for to get to to make things better and to to get more wins, right? And mm -hmm. so you'll have those conversations, you shape and adjust, and 
you know, along the way, what you're going to find is there's a wide dispersion of people and you're going to have some leaders and some laggards. So there are some people who are going to be willing to like take the risk and jump in the boat. And so don't worry about the ones that won't. It's let's, let's go get, let's go be successful with those that are willing to take a shot and back them up and roll up the sleeves and get dirty on fixing what needs fixing and getting them over the line. And then highlight the hell out of their success because that is what will get the next group of people on board, right? How much money they made, how they changed the relationship with the customer, how much value they delivered. Um, And that can very much be a flywheel effect that, you know, as you run that over time, you get more people on board, it gets bigger. And then, and then you kind of hit the next zone of things you got to solve for. Right. And, and within that journey, you got to prioritize, you know, as you're getting all this feedback, you start getting more people on board, more things that need to be addressed, more things that need to be navigated. You got to prioritize because you can't solve everything. So you got to think through what's material, like what leads to customer wins this quarter versus what should I park? Because even if I solve it, it's not going to book a deal or it's not going to book that much. Right. And so, you know, you just got to kind of work that process again, incremental, iterative, take the small wins, move it forward. And eventually you look back and you've come a long way. It's interesting. How, how do you make those tough decisions? Cause those, that prioritization, right. Of, of, you know, do I take, do I take this deal in this quarter to, you know, to move the needle, to try to hit X, Y, Z, or I'm sure you're battling that versus more strategic, um, you know, strategic uh, initiatives, if you will. Uh, how how do you make those those tough decisions? How do you actually prioritize what gets done and what doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you got to have a mindset of progress over perfection, right? But like to give you an example, as we were going down the software and enterprise agreement path many years ago, one of our larger business units that we had struggled to get on board um, with that approach, wanted to launch an offer that we didn't think was very good. So, you know, we looked at it, we said, that's not going to sell very much. Uh, You got to modify it because it doesn't differentiate enough against business as usual offers. So if I'm a customer, why would I commit to that? You know, and so we looked at it, you know, my assessment was it was really only a fit for like three to 5% of the market. But in terms of that progress over perfection and playing the long game, we just decided to get in and get supportive and, and go for it anyways. And like, let's go get some wins on the three to 5% because once we show that success, build that credibility, we then have increased leverage and standing to say, okay, we did X amount of dollars. We can do 10 X, but here's what we need. Right. And and so we very much went on the journey with that group. And that's that's one group that's representative of many because, you know, within Cisco, the history of the company is very much hardware. It's boxes, right? And so there's a lot of folks whose orientation and mentality, not through ill will, but just based on their experience and what they know, roots to that. And so, you know, getting them to look at the business in a completely orthogonal way is not something that happens overnight. It's a journey. You got to take people on the journey. And like, that's an example of where we just decided to jump in and jump on the journey in a supportive, collaborative and constructive way with something we didn't think was very good. Like if they would have listened to us, we would have got it 
right, better and faster, but it, it was better to take the progress versus to not play the game, right? I love that that uh, saying, you know, take the progress over the perfection. That's uh, that's a good one. And and you know, so many of the folks that we've had on the the podcast reference that mentality in one way or another. You know, whether it be the get the eighty percent done, don't worry so much about the twenty percent. You know, take the take the brunt of the load and uh, and get it over the finish line and worry about perfecting it and uh, refining it after the fact seems to be a, a very common theme in, in uh, all of the, the very successful folks that we've brought on. So uh, it's very cool that you mentioned it as well. That's no, a great observation. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to go listen to all the other ones. I'm an active listener of your podcast, but I haven't heard them all, and I'm excited to do that. Absolutely. There's definitely, I'll point you to a few of them. So, so I get it. Like there's, so, you know, we've, we've chatted a little bit about identify we, we're talking about looking at the vision, if you will, you know, understanding that you're going to have people that are on board, you're going to have people that aren't on board. We're really, you know, we're focused on moving, moving the transformation over the finish line. We're focusing on the people that are believers, getting them going. We're, we have to execute uh, everything that we had chatted about around you know, prioritization, making those tough calls, uh, get the progress over the perfection. What happens after that? Like when we're when we're when we're there, we've had that little success that you've you've talked about, right? We we got it to a point that the proof is kind of in the pudding at this point to some degree, but it might not be as uh, as broad or as evangelized as uh, it will later later become. What's what's next? Like at what point? Where do we go from here? In terms, where do we go in terms of we're making progress, but we're not everybody everywhere we want to be. And so how do we keep building and staying the course? Yeah, how do, I guess like uh, I'm, I'm thinking more from the transformation perspective, like the people individually, right? If we've got, uh, I'm just thinking organizationally, we've got a small business unit or a small division that is, you know, this new technology that popped up, all of a sudden starts having some wins, people start raising their eyebrows, saying, this is cool, interesting. It, it takes a level of evangelism to really change change how folks perceive that, right? To some degree, obviously, you know, refining the yeah. narrative and things like that, you've talked a little bit about, but uh, like- Well, I think, you, I think yeah. you also have to build, you also have to build an aggressive and bold vision of what this can be, right? That mm. again, as people have started to have success and recognize that like, yes, we can do this and yes, it's good business. You know, now let's look at the big picture and, and really be bold and aspirational with our goals, right? Like X percent of our business should come from software. You know, I think you've seen over the last few years, if you look at our earnings reports, we've gone from sub 20% of our business from software to roughly 30 and from, you know, subscription being something we didn't do very much of to now it's in the 70s in terms of percentage of Cisco software via subscription and high percentage of that coming from enterprise agreements. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we had to set those bold visions in the ground and in the sky for people to look at um, in terms of, again, redefining what they think of as possible and being aspirational with targets that people can really get all in and lean in on. Um, and I think we've really started to do that in the last few years 
And, you know, with the, the, the numbers we circulate internally, we're very much looking at EAs as the lead motion of how we bring value to our customers across geographies, across segments, across technologies. Um, and that's something that, again, there are some big aspirational targets associated with and folks are bought into at a level they haven't been before. And I would say, Mark, once you get to that, like once you've demonstrated the success, the viability, the value, and you've leveraged that to get broad senior exec cross org sponsorship of this is what we want this to be. Now it's, now it's an execution game, right? Because you've got enough coalition of the willing, there's still some laggards, but that's okay. Um, but how do you really lean in and maximize the opportunity in front of you? Um, which is kind of the phase we're in right now. Hmm. It's, it's got to be a massive cultural change though, right? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you're you, the legacy organization and now you're talking about, you know, really instrumental changes. These are big, big changes, 70% coming from subscription like that. I can't imagine that that's a, a normal motion that people are very used to. So it takes, I got to imagine that, it, you know, you got some folks to your point that are laggards around the concept and others and leaders. How do you manage that, that cultural change or that, uh, you know, adoption to the concept? Yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to address that a little bit macro and a little bit micro, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll say, yes, that change is a whole company change. Um, and when I, when I say whole company change, when you talk about that percentage of software, that percentage of subscription, you got to change how you build products. Like customers aren't going to renew their subscription if they don't see ongoing value. You know, you got to change how you approach services to, to driving that consumption and value realization. You've got to change operational systems and tools on things like pricing and ordering to have an ability to measure time so that you can manage your renewals and manage your upsell opportunities and manage your customer journeys the right way. Um, and so, you know, it goes, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, that's across the company. And the good news is our, our CEO and executive team manage the messaging of that. You know, what I can talk more directly about is when I, like a few years ago, I took on a new team that um, was a strong team that also had some cultural things that weren't setting us up for success right? Mm. Um, you know, so we had a team that was very focused on their success versus what was good for the broader company. We had a team that was a little more skewed to emotion versus data and fact and, and not as collaborative as we needed to be, given the fact that this needs to be a whole company change and we need to play a big role in driving it. And so, you know, when you talk about managing those changes, it starts with communication, right? It starts with being transparent as to why we've got to change our approach and what's the big picture of what we're trying to accomplish and the value we need to drive. At the end of the day, culture is about values and beliefs. And so, you know, I had to start communicating why that was important and leading from the front, right? Model that behavior, show up that way so they can start seeing the difference it makes as we engage other stakeholders and progress our initiatives, you then got to line up recognition and rewards to reinforce those values. And so, you know, as we think about 
quarterly awards and different things we do and behaviors we highlight, it all it orients to those behaviors that we want to drive the culture of. And, you know, as we did that, most of the org made that transition and made that transition really well. You know, the, the situation you'll often face is not everybody will, right? Different, like there are some people who think their way is the right way and I don't know why we need to change and like it was working before, so why shouldn't it work now? And so you have to assess that. You have to assess who's, you know, who's going through a process of getting on board and people go at different speeds. So you got to give people time versus who's really not bought in and not trying that hard and not going to go get there. And, and that's when you got to, you know, when you see that, that's when you have to have a different conversation and make different decisions. It's, it's, it's very enlightening chatting with you about it, Vinay. It seems it seems way simpler than it is, um, but I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> as as does most of these conversations. There's so much that goes into this, and uh, and your experience, the way you summarize, um, uh, really these 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 very hard hard things to navigate, but also difficult decisions to make along the way. Obviously, you're, you know, you're summarizing it with with such matter of fact that it seems very simplistic listening in, but um, I know it's it's infinitely more complex. It's uh, it's very yeah, cool. Make, make no mistake. Some some of these things are hard, right? Like yeah. some of the things I'm talking <laughs> about, we we struggled with for six, twelve, eighteen months, right? Like on the business side, getting it right, and you know that can be very frustrating because you can see what the right answer is. You know it's going to drive good results for the company, and you want to get there. But I think you got to be patient. And you got to recognize that like people are human beings. They need time to kind of work through their journeys. And also like recognize that you don't know everything. A lot of times as we work through those journeys, we would get input, feedback, objections that raise things we hadn't thought of. We learned from, we adjusted to, and while it took longer than we wanted it to take, it also helped us get it right in a really meaningful way. And so, you know, I think there's an element of being patient, but also truly valuing collaboration, truly valuing different points of view. You don't have to agree with them all, but you should really be thoughtful and considerate of them because, you know, generally people show up, I think, with the right intent, wanting to help. And if, if they're objecting, it's not because they want to disrupt your plan. It's because they think that it may not work well for them. And if, if you want to drive big business impact. You got to get those things right at scale. You need to listen to that and incorporate it into your approach. So I think, I think there's value in that. Um, but, but it is difficult, right? Like, again, we, we, at a public company and even I think private companies, people are looking for short-term results and you got to show progress and success and you don't have tons of time to not make progress. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it seems, you know, every time, we chat about you know, whether it be digital transformation or, or any kind of transformation, any change in general, it's always the change management aspect that is the hardest piece of it. You know, even, even when you were talking and just, you know, thinking back on, on the conversation thus far, it's, you know, understanding the there's a fit in the market, recognizing, you know, where you need to be, the product, the vision as it relates to that. It's all like doable. It's, a, it's I don't want to say it's the easiest, easier stuff, but it's the more matter of fact things, right? It's like, yeah, this is cloud compute's going to be big or it's not going to be big. Getting people around to that, getting people's mind share 
as it relates to the vision and the strategy and how to execute it. And to your point, removing some of those blockers uh, that might be there, uh, whether that be, you know, their inherent uh, personal blockers or whatever it is, is this is the most, that's the most challenging stuff out there. I mean, that's so hard to get people to change. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, uh, you know, it reminds me, one of the things I've been working on more recently is like trying to get a decent golf swing. And <laughs> my, my three mental rules are one, be kind to yourself two, be patient, three, be optimistic. Like we're going to get like, you know, a lot of these things, whether you talk organizational transformation or like keeping a driver straight, it's two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> you're going to have good days and bad days, but if you stay, keep your eye on the prize, you're going to make progress. Progress over perfection. Strive for the perfection, make the progress. I like it. There you we, go. We've chatted. I mean, it's a lot, right? It's a massive, massive, massive topic. We've covered some really, I think, great points as it relates to it. Understanding the future, seeing and evangelizing the vision, we chatted about executing and how to do that at scale. We chatted a little bit even about you know, the transformation of the culture, how to win mind share, how to get people around to the narrative. What, do we, what, do, what didn't we hit? What are we missing that the listeners should also be aware of or focus on? Yeah, you know, one thing that people often ask me, and it's come up at different points in my career as I've taken risks, Vinay, how do you deal with failure? And like, what happens if you screw it up? Like, how do you, like, what, you know, you're trying to drive these big things or you get it wrong. It's a really big deal. <laughs> and, you know, I, what I generally say when I challenge people to do what I challenge your listeners to do is, is to think differently about that, right? Like, I remember I talked at the beginning about like going to the data center business from being an engineering manager, right? When I made that move, I had a number of people tell me like, what are you doing? Like, that's crazy. And I said, why is it crazy? I said, look, you're, you're, you're a manager on a team that's going to exist, that exists, continue to exist. Like you're always, they're always going to need that job. Like you're in a good place. You're respected. It's very secure. It's very stable. You know, Cisco's never sold servers and you're going over, you know, in a sales specialist overlay role for this unproven business. And like, if it doesn't work out in a year, you're gone. Like you're out of here. Because like, that'll be the easiest thing to cut. And I said, well, that's interesting. Because here's how I look at it. I've been doing this engineering leader job for five years. And I'm at the point where from one day to the next, I'm not learning very much. Versus if I go do this job, let's say you're right. Let's say I go do this job that I've not done before in a market we've not been in. And let's say we fail. And like a year from now, I get fired. I'll have learned so much more doing that job than staying put, staying complacent. So to me, the risk is not getting fired. The risk is staying put in the stable, secure job and not continuing to learn and grow. And I think there's something in that bigger picture as I talk to people, like take some risk, take, be, like, be thoughtful. I'm not telling you to like go put all your money on a number in a casino, but like, you know, be thoughtful, look at where you see things happening, look at where you see opportunity and like go after it and err to the side of being a little bit bold versus a little bit conservative. 
because you learn more when you get things wrong. You learn more when you try new things and you get things wrong that in the big picture of your journey, of your career journey, your life journey, that's more valuable than, you know, security and stability. And and I would argue in the current world, security and stability is a myth. I mean, COVID aside, there's so much disruption happening in all industries due to technology. And then what we've seen with COVID in the last year, it's, it's magnified it five to 10x. So get outside your comfort zone, take some risks, be bold, and like, don't be afraid of things not working out because there's value in learning from that versus uh, not. It's doing the hard things, Vinay. I mean, get it outside your comfort zone, you know, get, you know, putting yourself out there, exposing yourself to potential failures, you know, that those are tough things for people to do, but that's some, uh, some great advice. And obviously all of that, that uh, risk reward has, has paid off for you, man. You've, I mean, absolute stud and, and couldn't thank you enough for, uh, for coming on the show and, and giving us this insight. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thank you, Mark. I couldn't have done anything I've done without the support and partnership and collaboration of hundreds of people and many dozens of teams. So I appreciate the kind words and I give them a lot of credit for the success we've had. But it's been great talking to you. This has been fun. I'm going to go I'm getting a little hungry. I'm going to go fry some sunny side up eggs and reflect on everything I've gotten out of the conversation. (laughs) I love it, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks again. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.